0: Welcome to Momentum Church. All right, I want you to open up your Bibles this morning to Haggai. Haggai, they'll take you a little bit to get there, there in the Old Testament toward the end. This is our second week in our home improvement series. And we began last week looking at the scripture that just said, unless the Lord builds the house, the one who labors, labors in vain. And, and as people of God, we need to labor under the unction of God, like what God would have us to be putting our hands to. How would the Lord have us to build our homes? And so the next few weeks, last week and the next few weeks, we're looking at principles and precepts in the scripture that I believe will cause us to have lasting home improvement. Amen? We don't want to labor in vain. We want to be able to be purposeful in our labors and see God's blessing come upon our homes. And so in Haggai, let's stand to read the word of God today. I just like to stand sometimes to honor God's word as we read. In Haggai 1, 7 through 8, and this will be familiar because this is the scripture we used last week. And we're really going to break a lot of this Haggai chapter 1 down today. So it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills, bring wood, and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. God wants us to consider our ways. Go ahead and have your seats. He wants us to consider our ways. When we say consider our ways, I told you last week, that speaks of purposefulness, is what it speaks of purposefulness. And purposefulness, I told you, is thinking and acting amen it's not that we just go through life like granddaddy would say all willy-nilly you know what i mean like like we're, we're going through life thinking and acting and in this scripture it's saying you're purposefully going and getting the materials that you need to come build the house of the lord you're being mindful and purposeful we think say think and then we act yeah and say act And so every project you do in life, especially if it's a construction project, you better be thinking and acting. You just don't want to go into it. And Amy, she had me doing a project last week, and I want to tell you about it, all right? And so she had this mindset that she wanted to make these big shelves on our wall made out like honking big shelves. So she orders this thing, unbeknownst to me. I mean, I know she's ordering it, but I didn't know what she ordered. And I go to pick it up. She ordered a 16-foot by 20, by, by, by like inches, like this huge slab of cedar and the guy brings it out on a forklift. I'm supposed to hang this in my house. And so he brings it out on a forklift and I'm just like, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, sir, I don't, I, don't, I don't think that's mine. That's what you ordered, and she, he showed me, and I'm like, that's what she paid for? That's not, that's not, I don't, so I go back inside. Thank God I've been really nice to the fella, and you should be nice anyhow, but I was nice, and he's like, look, we don't normally exchange because it's already been cut, you know. She'd taken the 16, and thank God I cut it down to eight-foot pieces that were still, like, huge, and so he allowed me to get eight-inch pieces by eight, by about, you know, mental depth. And so now I come home with these things and I'm going to, they're still pretty massive and I'm going to hang them on the wall. Right. And, and here's the thing about it. When she wanted it done, you know, when she wanted it done, then how many husbands understand that? When do you want it done, honey? Now. And so I ran to Lowe's to see if I could find brackets for it. And they didn't have the right size brackets. So I could order on Amazon the right size brackets, but the wife wants it. There you go. So I come home, and I take my Sawzall, and I get these brackets, and I put them in my vise, and I take my Sawzall. And I had to buy a $15 blade for a cut that I'll never make again, and, and not that I'm bitter. And so I get this carbide Sawzall blade, and I cut these brackets down to size so they'll fit with my project right can I tell you this first point ready a good tool makes things easier because I could have used my sawzall with a regular metal blade it wouldn't have you're a contractor it wouldn't have got through it probably would have I probably went through 10 blades right but that carbide blade (laughs) it was wonderful a good tool makes things easier well, it's the same way. Now I've got this rough piece of metal that doesn't look good, and I need to clean that up. And so I can go grab my rasp, or if you want a file, whatever you want to call it, and I could and do this kind of labor with it. But a good tool makes things easier. Woo! And thank God I have an angle grinder. And so I go over to my little piece of metal, and, and I need to get it looking nice. And Woo-hoo-hoo! watch your eyes there, Todd. And so I take my angle grinder and I I work that piece of metal and I get it smooth. It was so much quicker than having to use a rasp and and take all that energy. It was doing all the work for me, you know? You have a tool that God places in your hands that I believe is to make life easier. Amen? And I want to talk a little bit about that in Psalm, verse 128, 2. It says, you shall eat... The fruit of the labor of your hands. Now watch this. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You have work. You have labor. And the finances that come from it's part of the tool that God played. A bit of money, amen? To make life easier. How many know life is easier when you have a little bit of money, amen? I'm not saying you can't go through life broke. Been there. I like not broke better. But it's easier. The finances of your labor make it easier. It says, you shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. God places a tool in your hands that makes life easier. But can I be honest with you? Sometimes that tool feels like the grind. All right? And I can, I can spell grind for you. Ready? J-O-B. How many ever feel like the grind? You know what I mean? Like, it's great, and I get it. It's still a four-letter word. Work. You know what I mean? It's, it's the grind. It's, it's the job. It's, it's that tool that God places in your hands. And, man, that tool is awesome. And, and you'll go through life with the grind, and you'll use that grind, right? You'll, you'll use that grind. Many of you use that grind to get college debt down. How many paying off college debt? All right. How many? It's been 15 years. Anybody? Okay. That that was the plan I was on. Okay, so but college debt, you know, and, and you're grinding that down, that college debt. For other people, Amy and I, we married our daughter off last year. And we had to grind and grind, we had to pay that thing down. Oh, you know, it's it's the grind. But thank God we had a job. Thank God we had finances. Thank God we had a tool that we could slowly work those things down. So the grind for our illustration today is our labor. It's our work. And the fruit of the grind is money. It's the finances that come into our life. And so it's awesome to have a good tool that makes things easier, right? So number two, a tool makes things easy. Number two, guess what's a tool? Money money is a tool. Oh no, this is a sermon on money. Hold on. It's a fun sermon on money. Amen. And we're going to get to that. It's a fun sermon on, on understanding how we can have home improvement when we're faithful with the grind. We're faithful with that tool that God has placed into our lives. And so, yeah, money and work, it makes life easier. Now, here's the problem. That night, because my wife needed this problem. Look, baby, it's almost eleven night. Don't know why. I t- I said, look, baby, it's almost eleven o'clock at night. Is it possible that we can do this tomorrow? Oh, it would be so nice though, sweetie, to wake up in the morning and to see it done. Wouldn't that be nice? Okay, so I'm downstairs cutting, and this is actually one of these. This is an extra one. I'm downstairs cutting these pieces of metal, right? And isn't it always the last one? What is it? It's the last one that gives you the, 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 the fits, right? So I'm cutting the last one, and I'm grinding, and I get done, and I go to set the grinder on the stand I have over here, and I go across my hand. So yeah, this is a great tool. It really is. But listen, I was careless with the grinder, and because of that, I ended up taking more out of myself than I planned. Amen? I mean, it was something. So you have a tool. It's money. God gives it to you. But if we're not careful with it, if we're careless, if we're not purposeful, we can end up taking from ourselves and so I ended up taking a chunk literally a chunk out of the back of my hand I was careless and it took a pound of flesh and what's funny is I come to bed where she is sleeping <laughs> I'm serious 1.30 in the morning I'm done with this project and I come to bed and she's asleep and I want to show her my hand and she's asleep so we wake up in the morning and it's like woman look what you did to me Look at that. She, oh, my gosh. I know. It's like zombie flesh. This is horrible. And she did it to me. No. No. I did it to myself. Do you know why? Because I had a tool that made things easier. All right. And that's awesome. But I was careless with that tool. I wasn't purposeful with that tool. I, I wasn't controlling that tool. I, I, next thing you know, I hurt myself with that right? Can can I give you a few ways that we can do this with our jobs, with our work? Because God gives us a tool. He gives us a grind. He gives us a labor, oh job. It's awesome. But here's some of the things that we can do. We can get mad at our boss and quit before we have another job in place. Can I tell you if you've done that? That's careless. Don't do that. Amen? Like, I don't care how mad you get, all right? Well, take that, boss. He don't care if you don't eat the next two weeks. He already doesn't like you. And you're going to say, take that, boss. No, no. Keep working that job. Find yourself something different. Put your two-week notice in because you're a man of God or a woman of God. How much the devil that boss is, we give our two-week notice. And then we go walk into the next thing that we've lined up. Amen? But we can be very careless and take more out of ourselves than we planned if we just get mad and leave. How about this? We're not happy with the grind. We're not happy with our job. So we give half-hearted effort over time. The problem with giving half-hearted effort over time, it leads to half-hearted productivity. Amen? And we're God's people. Everything we do is as unto the Lord. I don't do it as unto my boss. I do it as unto the Lord. Amen. But we can be careless with the grind. And next thing you know, just not, we're just bringing it in. We're not really doing what we're supposed to be doing. And we wonder why people don't see the witness of Christ in us. Amen. How about this? You're an entrepreneur. A businessman. You collect a 1099, you know, you're self-employed, and the, the grind, what you were doing, that action that you were doing that got you where you are today, you have stopped doing that action, and yet you're a little bit ahead of the game, but you're not where you once were, because you've stopped doing the action, and you think you're ahead of your competition, but you know what? You think you're ahead of your competition because of your past efforts. And you've not been responsible with the grind. You didn't, you didn't continue in action. Does that make sense? So entrepreneurs, everything you do is as unto the Lord. <coughs> you're doing it as unto, unto the Lord. Maybe for some in this room, you're going, I wish I had a job. I get it. COVID has taken some people's jobs. So if you're here with a job, here's another way we treat it carelessly. You're here and you're collecting a, a, a check every week. And you take it for granted. Man, there's some people in this room that wish they could work right now. They're going everywhere, knocking on doors, trying to get their applications in. It's just not there right now. And so that's another way that we can be careless with the grind, the tool that God has given us. We can just take our jobs for granted. Amen? And then finally, we can be careless with the tool, the finances that God has given us by forgetting to honor God in the fruit of our labor. But by not being faithful to say, Lord, I'm giving a portion of what I have to you and your kingdom and to your purpose. And so listen, if I'm not purposeful with what I'm doing with the grind, with my labor, with the finances I have, it will end up taking more out of me than I ever planned. So I want to be purposeful. That means I need to stop, I need to think, and I need to act. And the scripture actually challenges us toward this. There are two Consider your ways in this passage of Scripture. All right? We looked at one last week. We started with one, that one again today. We'll come back to that in a little bit. But let me give you another one, okay? Haggai 1, 5, same chapter, a little bit earlier. Watch it. Thus says the Lord God of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and you harvest little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill to put them into a bag with holes. Do you catch that? This is a person that is looking at their financial situation, their lives, and saying that my characteristic financial situation, it is always like this. Like, I just never can get ahead. It always seems like there's something. The, the shoe's always about to drop. Something is always a problem. What in the world's going on and such? And, and man, the prophet comes and begins to say, consider your ways. Don't don't blame somebody else. First, you think about it, and then you act differently. You begin to take responsibility of the tool that God's placed in your hand. Think about it and act differently. Number three, don't be careless with one of the greatest tools that God has given to you, all right? Those finances that you make because of the grind literally are one of the greatest tools that God has given to you. And what we need to do is we need to take control of money not let money take control of us. When it came to my, 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 my grinder that day, I stopped taking control of it, and I didn't set it down. I allowed it to have its own mind, and it got me, okay? I don't let money tell me where money wants to go. We want to tell money where money's supposed to go, amen? Does that make sense? All right. So don't let money have control. Take control of what you're doing with those finances. And Haggai 1, 7 through 9, it says it this way. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills. This is the verse we started with. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house so that I may pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. I love this. God wants us to put our hands to something that brings his glory. Like, like when you're building his house, can I call his house his agenda? I'm not talking about Momentum Church, guys. I'm not saying that. I'm saying when you're partnering with the heart of God and his agenda, okay, when you're doing that, he is pleased and his glory shows up. It says that he would be glorified. When his glory shows up, man, that's powerful. The the, the Hebrew word for it is Shekinah, the Shekinah glory, the weighted glory of God manifesting. Man, I want the presence of God all over your house. I want you to have a confidence that even when things are going difficult with finances, you know you have done, you have thought and you have acted, you have been purposeful in such a way that you know you're going to come through this at some point, because there's no way God's going to see His seed begging for bread, or his righteous forsaken. And I know without a doubt, I've not been careless with that tool. It may be going through a season. How many going through a season beyond it? I've been through some seasons. We went through almost a decade. Difficult financial season. I'll talk about that a little bit more here in a second. But watch this. He's like saying, focus on my agenda. But verse nine, you looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why declares the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Let, Let me give you some history on this, okay? So in, I think it was 586, BC, the Chaldeans, they came and they took, no, no, 597 BC. The Chaldeans came and they took captive the, the part of Israel called Judah, the lower kingdom. And they took them away, about 10,000 of them deported to Babylon. And they begin to live in exile. And years later, once that is over, the Medo-Persians, they conquer the Chaldeans. And a king by the name of Darius becomes the leader. And King And King Darius, Darius, he ends up being in charge, but he is allowing people to go back to Jerusalem, back to build the temple, back to have homes of their own. And so kind of the story here is a bunch of people who were, they lost their independent kingdom. They have been deported. They don't have a homeland. They're without a state. They're without a nation. So they're in a world that is not their own. Okay? And they're focusing on their stuff. I want you to not miss this, okay? The Bible says that we are in this world, but we're not of this world. Can can I just tell you really quick, this world is fallen, okay? The curse is on the earth. I'm not saying that the curse is something that God is going to drop on you if you're not faithful with your finances. What I'm saying is the earth is already cursed. And we as God's people, when we partner with the heart of God, man, we get to walk in redemption of that curse. And that looks a lot of different ways. You're talking to somebody who's under the curse and they're walking in sickness. I'm not saying they sinned to get the sickness. I'm saying we're in a fallen world and sickness is a part of the curse. But you're in the middle of that and God's heart says, touch that that person believe in faith for healing and the gift of faith rises and followed by the gift of a healing rises up and you lay hands on that person and you say in Jesus name be healed and redemption shows up come on somebody is that cool we get to partner with God people that's, that's what this is all about. It's the heart of God. And the heart of God says, right now, bring redemption. Right now, do a work. Be my body in the earth. This earth is cursed, but everywhere you put your feet, I'm taking possession. Go put your feet someplace. Go put your word someplace. Go put your hands someplace. Go do something that's aligned with the heart of me. This is what finance is all about, guys. That's all this is. We live in a world... That is cursed. And God's saying, I have a way for you to be redeemed from that curse. Hmm. And it comes with the idea of looking out for his house. Not momentum. His heart. All right? So these people, they're living in this world. And they're taking care of their stuff. They're paneling their house. Guess what? It's not their house. It's not theirs. It's the Medo-Persians. They're just letting them occupy. Everything that we have in the earth, we may think it's our car, we may think it's our house, we may think it's our shirt, we may think it's our stuff, it will rot into this cursed earth. Amen? But guess what will go to heaven? Everything that lines up to the heart of God. When a person is touched, their life is changed, and the generations that they touch lives are changed, and all those people get to go to heaven, guess what? That's our heritage. That's our legacy. That's the stuff that remains. Amen? Everything else will be falling away. You see what I'm saying? So we're in a borrowed place. I'm not going to act like a slave in a borrowed place. I'm going to act like the redeemed in a borrowed place and focus my finances and my heart and my attitude and my actions toward his heart and what he's designed, building his house, if you will. So we live as people in this world, but we're not of it. We're in a world that wasn't, they were in a world that wasn't their own, but they had this sense of ownership, just like us. And so listen, a choice to sow into what is on the heart of God, or they could sow into their false sense of freedom and advancement, in the midst of their bondage. That's what finances are all about, amen? We can look at our finances and go, I get to sow into his kingdom in different ways, or this is all mine, and I get to sow into my bondage, amen? And some of you are in bondage. You bought a house way bigger than you ever should have bought. You're driving a car nicer than you probably should have bought. That loan is a bondage, you know what I'm saying? And you're right. You may say, Pastor, there's no way I can be faithful when God prompts me, when he nudges me, because I've gotten myself in too deep. I get that. Climb out. I've got friends in this house that over the years have climbed out and become faithful givers because it was important to them to honor the heart of the Lord. Climb out. We all can do that. Amen? And so we have this choice. So it's the house of the Lord that represents the things that are on the heart of God in the midst of a world in need. Or we busy ourselves with our own house. That's our agenda, our desires, and what brings us comfort. And, you know, Amy and I, you guys know our story. Most of you, some of you don't. But, man, we went through about 10 years of extreme financial difficulty as the church was growing. And I'll be honest, I was raised in an environment where you sow and you reap. That was the teaching. Like, I was just raised around that. You know, the Lord's going to bring a harvest. Hallelujah. Amen. And... And I believe that, but I know sometimes things go in the ground for a long time before the harvest comes. And it would be frustrating. And the first time we started to have some margin, because we were struggling to feed five kids at one point, the first time we started having some margin, you know what Amy says? She goes, I really believe we need to give and support one child per child that we have overseas so they have all they need for medical, school, and food for a month. Baby, we just barely have more. We just are climbing out ourselves. You want me to put a shelf up and feed the poor? No. No, but, but she, she was absolutely right. And in the middle of that, it was the heart of God, people. That was the heart of God. Don't, don't lean back into your margin at this moment and be all satisfied with that. You know what? My margin was still not going to be enough. And so, man, we started to support kids. I don't know, was it seven, eight years, something like that, seven years ago? Started supporting kids, and, man, that's been a joy. I got to meet three of those kids when I was over in Haiti. It was so neat getting to meet them. You know, so it's just one of those things to where that's the heart of God. We want to focus on that. But it has been very easy to say, but, God, I don't get it. I don't understand this. I want to focus on my house, my agenda. Excuse me. And I want to say it this way. It's not a give and get kind of thing. That's not what giving's about. It's a shaping of the heart kind of thing. And so God is discipling us and disciplining us and teaching us to take our own decisions and thoughts, to think and to act with his heart and mind. And every time you're faithful to give, that's what you're doing. You're, You're looking at your life, your agenda, your house, And saying, you know what, that's important. But you know what, God, what's on your heart? I want to be responsible with the grind. You've given me labor. You've given me the ability to earn. Help me be responsible with that. Finally, take control of your finances by giving God first priority. Do you hear that? So often we busy ourselves with our own agenda. Like I said, our agenda, our desires, that's our house. With the things that bring us comfort. But overall, that leads to lack that leads to short-sightedness, that leads to selfishness. There's something powerful and transformational when if every financial decision you make, God, what would you have me to do? That's what tithing's about. It's not about the 10%, or let's just forget the 10%. Whatever percent you feel like God's telling you that you're supposed to give in faithful, sacrificial giving, okay, it's not about being faithful with with the rest. It's about the whole thing going, God, it's not mine, any of it, it's yours. And I want to be about your house. I want to be about your heart. And so help discipline my heart. And you know what that meant? That meant there was times in our life when Amy and I didn't get to drive what we wanted to drive. Why? Because we could have, but we wouldn't have been able to be tithers the way we wanted to be tithers. Amen? And, And I even had a friend years ago because some of you guys know our story. We've had to do side things and all sorts of stuff as the church was growing. And I had a friend years ago go, I don't get it, Ross. You're cleaning carpets, taking those funds, taking the tithe off, and putting it back into the church. Then the church is giving you a portion of your salary. Like, why don't you just keep your tithe? That makes no sense to me. Because I'm not giving it to Momentum Church. I'm giving it to God. Come on. Amen. I, I'm not, I'm not this, I'm not, I tithe, I'm not giving it to, to y'all, I'm giving it to God. That's how that is. But he couldn't, he wasn't getting that, you know? Well, it's just like you're taking it out of one pocket and putting it into the other. No, no, I'm taking it out of one pocket, giving it to God, and God's doing as God's doing. He's touching lives and doing things, and, and then he provides for me. Amen? But guys, it was hard. There was a lot of years that it was difficult. And I just want to say, don't back down from what seems difficult financially. I wasn't planning on getting personal in the first service, but I got personal. I'm going to get personal with you. Is that okay? So I can remember we love the camp. We do. And we had a pop-up camper that has an air conditioner on it. That's awesome. And we would family camp in our pop-up camper. And early in the years of the ministry, there was church finances that needed to be paid. So we sold the camper, took the four grand, and paid church bills with it. Now, I'm not saying that, oh, bless pastor. No, I'm not saying it for that reason. I'm saying it because in the moment, I knew the heart of God was take care of this house. Take care of Momentum Church. Look at you people today. Look at this house. So many stories, so many lives changed through the years. Man, it was freaking worth a $4,000 trailer to get rid of it. Amen? And guess what we did for the next 10 years? We camped every vacation for a decade in a tent that didn't have air conditioning with five kids. Listen, Amy and I love the backpack, and we backpack all over the place, and we love it when it's her and I. But you put five kids in a tent with no A.C., is miserable. You know what I'm saying? Why did we do that? Because we wanted to tithe. We could have went on a vacation, a regular paid type vacation if we wanted. If we would have robbed God, if we wouldn't have partnered with the heart of God, we could have done that. Oh yeah but no, we didn't want to. And here's the thing. 10 years seems like a long time based on the theology I was raised with. My theology was wrong because my theology was you sow and you reap and it's a quick kind of transactional thing. But there was things God was doing in my life that he was changing and developing me and that discipline of just being obedient year after year and not seeing the provision come and not understanding why God are you putting me through this? God was doing something. He was developing. And here's what the word says. Don't lose heart when you're weary and heavy laden. When you're going through stuff, don't lose heart. For in due season, you'll reap a harvest if you don't lose heart. And so I had this tool in my life. And it would have been so easy to have just said, you know, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm taking care of myself now. Forget the staff. Forget everybody. Forget the church. We're taking care of us. I deserve it. We wouldn't be walking in what we're walking in It's a family of God if that would have been the case. And I'm not saying again to brag on me, but I am going to brag on Jesus because on Saturday, I'm taking my whole family of eight, and we're flying. I said flying. I cannot believe we're flying to the Grand Canyon for eight days of vacation, and it's paid for before we even get there. Come on, somebody. Amen. God is faithful. And that's just a little thing. I'm just saying. That's just a little thing. bragging on me. I'm partnering. But we're going to keep being faithful. And that faithfulness hasn't stopped. And again, I'm not bragging on me. I'm partnering with you. Like, we're all in this together. Amen? Our house had gotten in such disrepair through the years. And man, God was able to help us get out of the debt that we need to get out of so that we can get the loan to refi our house. And man, our house is all remodeled. And tonight I get to have our first guest dinner with a bunch of new people from Momentum that are new guests in that house. What a blessing. I wouldn't want you, you've been to my house, some of you people. My stairs would have killed you at one point. Amy and I were hiking one time. And they came in and tried to repair our stairs because they were so bad. Church people were so nice, you know? It was bad. But man, provision like you can't imagine. The Lord is so good. And you know what? I, if it all goes away tomorrow, guess what? Couldn't still be faithful. Couldn't still be faithful. When I was 10 years old, my dad, he teased me. He said, Ross, Gentiles have hobbies that cost money. We're Jews, we have hobbies that make money. And so I started my first business at 10, and that's when I started tithing. And it has not mattered from 10 years old to now. Whatever comes through our house, God gets that portion. And what's beautiful is he gets more than that portion now. You know? Why? Because we just want to go after the heart of God. Amen? That's all. We just want to go after the heart of God. And so I was careless with that tool, and it took from me. I don't want to be careless with my finances. Amen? I don't want you to be careless with your finances. It's a tool, but be responsible and give God first priority. Haggai 1, 9 through 11. Each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. It's, listen, I don't want you to think God is cursing you. Like I said, the earth is already cursed, okay? I'm saying be faithful with your finances. Line up with the heart of God and redeem the curse that's on you those finances. Redeem the curse that's in this earth. And so finally, in Proverbs 20 verse 20, we'll close with this. Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling. That's provision from the Lord. Oil and treasure, provision from the Lord, is in a wise man's dwelling. Not wise man. I like that. I'm going to receive that for myself. Some of you call me Pastor Ross. My last name's Wiseman. So Yeah, precious oil and treasure, I receive that Jesus. It's in a wise man's dwelling. But watch this, it's in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. Do you see that? Everything that comes in to the foolish man, he takes it and uses it all for himself, he devours it. Do you know what foolishness is? It's a person who's not operating out of purposefulness. To not be foolish, you think Think about your children. Stop being foolish, you tell your kid. You're saying, think before you act. And I just want us as a church body for us to think before we act. People who are foolish go through life without purposefulness. And I want you to be purposeful with the most important tool, one of the most important tools that God has given you, and that is finances. Amen? And so think and then act. Here's the problem with thinking and acting, though. Sometimes we think and we don't act. Because we think and we go, well, how can I if I can't be faithful to give God something monthly or weekly? I can't, I can't hardly make it now. And so you think your way out of action. Sometimes when it comes to matters of faith, you have to act and then think. They flip-flop. And so what I'm saying to you today, Lord, in my life, help me to understand the tool that you've given me that's finances And let me partner with your heart, your house, what I'm doing to benefit what you desire in the world. And as I do that, Lord, provide. And guess what? He will. Amen? He will. Amy and I are testaments of that. Not because we're anything special, but we just thought, you know what? This is what the word says, and we're not going to back down from it. And now I stand before you just blessed beyond measure. I cannot believe what the Lord has been able to do in our lives the last few years. And if it all goes away tomorrow, guess what? I'm going to preach his word. Guess what? I'm going to keep tithing and giving to missionaries and giving to kids that have need for food. You know why? Because that's all the stuff that's going to go with us anyhow. Father, in the name of Jesus, not let one person leave this place with a sense of guilt. That's not what this sermon's about. This is not a sermon of condemnation. Lord, allow us to leave with an anticipation and an excitement that we get to partner with you. You've placed a tool in our hand that makes life easier. And Lord God, we will be responsible with that tool. Make a difference in regards to the things that are on your heart. And Lord, we will see great things in our lives personally and in your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Give God some praise. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.